Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. We're in a series called Heart and Soul, and today I want to talk about the power in his blood. They say that the Bible contains a scarlet thread that runs from the book of Genesis through the book of Revelation, and it reveals salvation and forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with a holy God that can only come through the shedding of blood, but not any blood, only blood that can do all that is the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And when a person, and this is so cool, no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, when a person puts their faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, they, the finished work, it's called the finished work of the cross, the gospel of our salvation, when someone puts their faith in the finished work, God builds a well on the inside of that person. Jesus said that he would put living water in our innermost being. The Bible calls that place our heart. Now, not our physical heart, but our innermost being, our living soul that will exist forever even after our physical heart stops beating. And when we believe that, the gospel creates a living well on the inside of us. And God, with his water, can quench every thirst in our life. And the gospel not only does that, but the gospel imparts to us a, a, new, a, a, a new relational awareness that God is real. God is here. I know it's a walk by faith, but every now and then I love it when my feeler is working. This morning was one of those where I just felt the presence of God. I still do right now. The believer can begin to be able to know what it is to hear the voice of the Lord, to be fed from the word of God to drink from the fountain of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would never run dry. Isn't that awesome? And we have communion with the Lord, which means that we relate with God not as slaves, but as men, as sons and daughters, women as daughters. And the gospel even does more than that. And again, the gospel cannot be, cannot be disconnected from the shedding of the blood of Jesus. But with the shedding of the blood of Jesus, the gospel rescues us from the grip of sin. Hallelujah. And why is that so important? Because the Bible says the wages of sin, when sin is working in a person's life, the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And the sobering truth is, is that if a person doesn't get their sins under the blood of Jesus, in this life, then in the next life, which never ends, that person, sadly and soberly, is eternally separated from God. 
but the gospel is the power to bring us back to him and put our life right. Because we get connected to the, to the one who does that. And we're made new creations, the Bible says. New, where love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and faith, gentleness, and self-control begin to, as little buds and little blossoms and little seedlings begin to take root in the soil of our innermost being. And as we are fed and as we are watered by the rains of God's presence, the, that love and all the fruit begins to grow inside to out. That's the gospel. That's what God can do in anyone's life. And why can God do that? Why can God impart those kind of virtues to all of us or any of us? Because his son paid the ultimate price in the shedding of his blood on the cross. His blood. You mind if I just preach about the blood of Jesus for a couple minutes? The, the blood of Jesus breaks sin's power. The blood of Jesus paid the price we could never pay to God. The blood of Jesus purchased our spiritual freedom. There isn't anything in all of creation in all of the universe that can hold you captive when you're under the blood of Jesus. His blood makes our heart a holy place and the Holy Spirit loves to dwell where the blood is. And where the Holy Spirit begins to work in a person's life, the living water begins to spring up on the inside in our innermost being, and then the Holy Spirit can work on our emotions. The Holy Spirit can work on our minds. The Holy Spirit can work in our heart. And not only on us and in us, but he can do marvelous things through us. Marvelous things out of our life for the glory of the name of Jesus. Someone look at someone else and say, there's power in his blood. There's power in his blood. God, may you reveal to us and remind us and refresh us and renew us in the reality that there is power in his blood. Not any blood, in his blood. Jesus. Heart and soul. We all needed a new heart. Isn't it amazing that you, they can actually put a, 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 a new mechanical heart in a person and extend their life? But I'm talking about another kind of heart. We all needed a new heart because when you study the Bible, you find out that the heart that is separated from God is a heart that's dead. Now, dead to God. We're living in our body, but we have a dead innermost being and it's not only dead it's deceived it has thoughts that think that they're right and correct on the right course but our old heart is deceived and it's a deceiver it's not always correct that a person is going the right way when they say I'm just gonna follow my heart the Bible says we needed a new heart. 
And the Bible said that God promised to give one. For people who come to the end of their way, Jesus said, when you come to the end of your way, you're really at a place of blessing because then God can give you a brand new way. In other words, blessed are those who are poor in spirit because yours is the kingdom of heaven. And so God promises people, God promises this to everybody, but it's only the people who come to the end of their way that realize it, that God promises a new heart. And here's the good news that was in the Old Testament from a prophet named Ezekiel, led by the Spirit of God. God said through him, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will did you notice the I will I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh now, why do we need that? Because Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul tells us, this is the condition of the walking dead in the world. The rich, the poor, the smart, the not so smart. I was gonna say dumb, but we'll be kind. Not so smart. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All of us also lived among them at one time. Here's what a dead heart does. It has cravings. Thinks they're right. And the heart that doesn't have the spirit of truth in it lives to gratify the cravings of that heart and follow its desires and its thoughts. And God says, that's a dead person. That's the walking dead. And then Paul says, like the rest, in other words, like people that haven't come in to know what you know and live what you're living, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. We were deserving judgment. But I love the next three-letter word, but. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us, I love this, made us alive with Christ even when we were walking dead. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. And then he says, oh, by the way, you can't boast about this. It's by his grace that he did this for us. How many of you know that? How many of you know you couldn't save yourself? How many of you tried? How many of you are still trying? Now that he already saved you, you're still trying to save yourself. You're still trying to keep yourself saved. Give it up, man. It's by grace you have been, are being, and will be saved. When we see him, we're going to say, amazing grace. That's right. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us. This is past tense, by the way. If you're a 15-minute-old Christian, if you, if you split hell wide open with the way you lived, even up until... Uh, this morning and you walked in here and during one of those songs you unknown to all of us said Jesus please come in my heart at that very moment at that very moment he raised you up whether you felt it or not raised you up to sit with Jesus Christ at the right hand of God and why did he do that and why else no yeah well, what else do you know 
in order that in the coming ages, and we're in one of those right now, he might show, bring it to light, bring it to us, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed, not keeping it to himself, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, let's just take about 10 seconds and outpraise Roberta on that one. Can we? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We deserved wrath to come our way, but instead, in Christ, undeserved kindness comes our way. According to God's good pleasure, his kind intention and his will toward those who are in the blood of his beloved son. But, I wish I could say that every day of my life was just living in the revelational awareness of that, where I've just the head and not the tail, you know, feeling like I was right at the right hand. But I, I have had cycles in my life, and maybe you have too, where what you are positionally didn't line up with what you felt like you were emotionally or spiritually. For instance, we can have a grace position, but not be living a grace experience. And all these things we're going to bring up, God isn't looking down on us about this or judging us about this, but God in his heart wants us, wants our experience to line up with what he's already done for us. So we can have a grace position, but not be living a grace experience. Or we can have a new life position, but be caught in the guilt of the past. We can have a new liberty, which the liberty of God has already been given to us positionally, but in our reality, in our mind, our will and emotions, feel like we're confined and we're bound in the soul. And I, I know that there are many people who, 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 who are, are like that. And, the, and, 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 if, and if something doesn't change in, in me or you when we're in that position, we won't enjoy Jesus until we get there. But here's the good news. Right now, the Holy Spirit is in this place and he's in your life if you're a believer and in mine. And right now, what he wants in this place is this. He wants to convince you and I this next thing. We can live in the experience that is aligned with our new position in the blood. Yes. We can live in the experience that we have already been positioned to be because of the blood. Let's take a fresh look. When we see the blood through the eyes of the spirit, here's what we realize. First of all, his blood is my life. The, the book of Leviticus said that the life of the soul is in the blood. Yes. If you're in an accident or if you're an EMT and you come upon somebody who is bleeding out, you know you have to stop that bleeding as fast as you can or that person's going to die. 
because it, the, the, the life of the soul is in the blood. His blood is not only my life, his blood is my liberty. But we can know that theologically. But God wants us to know it experientially. Let's take a look at the life of the blood. There's a great passage in Hebrews. And earlier in the week, I don't know, I was having my time with the Lord. And I felt like the Lord told me, I want you to read the whole, I want you to read the whole book of Hebrews in, a, in one sitting. And I want you to read it out loud. And so I did. And when I came to the 13th chapter, I came across this verse and it hit me. It's a benediction at the end of the, of the sermon of Hebrews. And he says to the people who are believers, now may the God of peace, and I love this, look closely, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, that blood is Jesus' blood, by the way, through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep. And I just realized something. The dead body of Jesus of Nazareth, the Bible says, came to life by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. But then Paul says for us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise your body up from the dead. Now, let me tell you the only reason why. Because... Wherever the king's blood is, wherever and in whoever the king's blood is, it can't stay dead. I almost jumped off the platform when I said that right there. <laughs> wherever the king's blood is, that person can't stay dead. It says right here that death couldn't hold him because his blood was holy, sinless. The only human being who ever lived on planet Earth who didn't have the trait of sin passed on into his being, Jesus of Nazareth kept the law perfectly and, 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 and through that perfection uh, shed sinless blood and he said, no one can take my life from me. I lay it down willingly and I will take it up again. Because the Holy Spirit comes where the king's blood is located. And if his blood is on you, if his blood is in your spirit, man, the Holy Spirit wants to stir up the water on the inside of you. His blood is my life. And I can experience life because of his blood. Not only that, but the liberty of my new heart is manifested, experienced in his blood. Here's how it says it in Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, it says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption. This word is, is a word that if you're an Old Testament reader and you're in it, you're, you're triggered immediately back to the, the, the understanding of the Exodus. We sang about the Exodus this morning and how God does this for us today in a spiritual way, breaking the bondages of, of, of dominion off our lives and, and parting a way for us to walk through, which is impossible apart from God parting away. And so that, that's the picture, this redemption, this exodus of the soul, which is the forgiveness of our sins. And the forgiveness 
literally means you're, you're, you're released from the guilt, you're released from the payment, and you're released from the consequences of all your sin. This is our position if we're in Christ, even if we're not experiencing it. And what God did all this for was not only to position us there, but until we see him face to face to experience in our life the position he's granted us in the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness. And how, how forgiven are we? We are forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I looked up this word lavished. And it's a word that means a downpour. Any of you like to go out and get caught in a down, when it, I always, as a kid, I'd, we'd sit on my front porch in the storm, summertime, the storm was coming. And we'd just sit out there waiting, man. Where, where a bunch of sissies would go in hide under their bed, we'd be out there saying, come on. We'd take our shoes off, sit on the, my front porch, and wait for it to just pour down rain. And then we just go out there and stand in it. My mom be like, you gotta get wet. Be like, oh, right. Downpour. You know what's where it's just a little bit of a sprinkle and then it's like a downpour where, I mean, you look, I mean, your, your, your clothes are stuck to you. That's the word that describes the kind of forgiveness God wants you and I to experience. That's an emancipation proclamation. We can have an emancipation positionally and not experience it. So what we need to know is that wherever the king's blood resides, we have life and we have liberty. God wants to bring to life what theologically is, is factual. What I said over, what God wants to bring to life in me, what is already theologically settled in experience after experience after experience after experience after experience after experience. Grace upon grace upon grace. And every time grace is released, it comes with compounding interest and builds upon itself. It's not like he gives grace and then takes it away until you give it. It's grace upon, grace upon, grace upon, grace upon, grace. His blood is my life, his blood is my liberty, and his blood is my welcome. This is a powerful verse. Therefore, the Hebrew writer, I think it was either Aquila, Priscilla, maybe Silas, maybe Apollos. I don't think it was Paul, but I'm not going to start a denomination over it. <laughs> Whoever wrote it said, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have past tense, or we should have confidence to what? Enter the most holy place. I just read in Jeremiah where God said under the old covenant, who would dare to enter my presence? Well, Jesus did. And in Christ, we have confidence to enter, listen, the most holy place. There's no need for a believer to be like the cowardly lion that when you go into the holy place of God, you see and you run and dive out the window. You don't have to do that. The blood of Jesus Christ in God's eyes puts out a welcome mat, not to stand in the back row, but to come into his presence. 
We have a welcome because of the blood of Jesus. And it says, by a new and living way. The Greek tense for new is continually new. The Greek tense for living is continually living. My car, as new as it is, will we'll rust and not look new and as new as new. But this new is new every day. New always, new always, never, never fades. And it's always a living way. It's always open through the curtain, his body. Let us draw near to God then. Let us draw near to God then with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. Because here's what has happened to us. Our heart has been sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So when we come into the presence of, Lord, of the Lord, conscience, you break that word down, con is with, science is knowledge. We, you can come into the presence of God positionally holy and blameless and bring your with knowledge to, of sin and guilt and past right in there. Right in there. Con science. What you bring into the presence of God and I bring shows where my focus is regarding the blood. So I can know that his blood, not my works, has cleansed my with knowledge of all my past and come in as a son, not begging as a slave for something he's already freely given me. You and I need to know what God the Father knows. You and I need to know what the angels of heaven know. You and I need to know what the saints that have gone on before us know, and we need to know what the devil knows. The most precious, most valuable, most honorable, most tangible, most spiritual, most holy reality of all realities is the blood of Jesus the Messiah sets the vilest sinner clean. Come on. Now listen, some of you clapped louder for uh, that dude that just had the, 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 Kenny Chesney, the dude that just played at Pittsburgh. You clapped louder for his song than you just clapped for that. You did. There's people who get more excited at the Renegade song coming on at the old Heinz Field. I don't know what it's called now. With the two-minute warning when they get the towels out, I've been there watched it. The ground shook. And I thought, man, imagine if we thought that about the blood of Jesus. His blood is my welcome, but his blood is also my worship. He says, how much more? He has just said that under the old covenant, uh, uh, the high priest once a year could bring the blood of a bull, a goat, a lamb, a ram. And once a year offer it up to God and God would cover his sin and the sin of the whole nation for a year with the blood of a bull, with the blood of a goat. The blood of a lamb. He says this. How much more will the blood of his sons 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Bless his holy name. Cleanse your conscience from acts that lead to death so that you may serve the living God. The word serve in the Greek is the word latreo. In the Old Testament Greek, it's the word latreo. It's used when God says to Moses, this will be the sign that I have sent you after I deliver you from Egypt. You will latreo me on this mountain. You will worship me on this mountain. It's the same word that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being forced to, to bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and, and worship him, they say, we will not bow down to you even if you throw us in the fire. And the word they use is latreu. That's the word that we're talking about here. That the, the blood of Jesus not only covers our sin for a year, the blood of Jesus obliterates our sin and makes it non-existent. The difference between you and me when we pray about our sin, the difference between us and God is that he really forgets it. And the devil knows that. And he also knows we don't. So when we have the confidence of the blood, that means we can have freedom to minister to God without guilt. We can have freedom to offer gifts of worship. We can have freedom to worship in church, worship in private times, pray in private times, worship in public times. We can also work our daily life as a worship offering to God and find it holy. We can parent as worship. We can do all things in life as worship. But not only that, we can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because of the blood. We can be creative and not have to worry if we're missing God or doing something too wrong or, or regardless if our brothers are critiquing us when we're running toward the giant with the slingshot by faith and they're telling us we shouldn't, we don't have to listen to that. We can have confidence to go on and kill that dude because of the blood. We can have confidence to pray for sick people. Not me, we. We can have Confidence to pray in a heavenly language because of the blood. We can claim the promises in the book, in the word that God shows us. We can know our salvation is eternally secure in Christ because of the blood. You don't have to get saved every week. You don't have to get saved every time you feel a little uncomfortable while you're in a storm and the devil brings up something you did in 1492 and tells you why you have no business being able to do this or that. You can stay in confidence even when he brings up something that you know and he knows that God promised, I will never remember those things or hold those things against you. There is power in it. Will someone say there is power in his blood? Dang, I didn't even hear Roberta that time. <laughs> that's all that all of that I just said is for believers. Yes. 
All that I just said is only for believers. I got to talk soberly. It was a parable that Jesus told about a wedding banquet. And in that wedding banquet, he noticed that the king noticed. You knew who the king is? Come on, someone say it. Who's the king? No, what's his name? Jesus. The king noticed someone got into the wedding banquet without a wedding garment. And he goes over and he says, How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he is speechless. And then it gets very uncomfortable. The king says, Take this man and throw him out. You read it. You can read, you can read it in the kindest hallmark version of the Bible you want to find. And it says, Throw him out. No one will be able to sneak into heaven without a wedding garment. And the wedding garment is a robe that's washed in the blood of Jesus and made white. People who want Christ forgiveness but don't want Christ are people trying to sneak into the wedding That means you can't have the forgiveness and all we've talked about without repentance. In other words, where I, 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 repentance isn't promising to never sin. Repentance isn't promising to be a good boy and a good girl in church. Repentance has nothing to do. Repentance is a matter of the heart where you realize there is an arrested moment where you realize I'm lost, I'm undone, and, I, and, and in, in the light of the Holy One of God, and in light of eternity, I, I, I see that, that he died on the cross, and I, I am moved, but I turn with my whole heart. I don't promise him everything. I surrender my life in full trust and faith in him. In other words, I lean everything on him, everything. And for that, you get all the things that I just described. Without that, without that, and you say, well, Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's not gonna get you in. You have to be in Christ before you're in heaven. The gospel is not a get into heaven free card without Jesus being the king of your life. This is very serious. This is very serious. There's a story in the Old Testament, which is the main story that all of the New Testament writers, including Jesus himself, point back to in reference to explaining how the new covenant will be. It will be like but different, like the Exodus in, is in Egypt. Of which, if, if you know, God said you had to take a lamb for every man. A lamb for every person. A lamb for every house. A lamb for the nation and you had to slay it, you had to 
know that you're personally responsible for the death of this lamb. You, me. Then you had to eat all of it. You had to eat all of it. And you had to take its blood and apply it by faith to the doorposts of your house and trust completely in the lamb and the blood because the destroying angel was going to go through all of Egypt and strike the firstborn dead from the palace, Pharaoh's son, to the cattle in the barn. And he said, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Revelation describes what we have like this. You with me, guys? And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. That means he, when he, all this that I'm saying, Jesus, this is a he's witness is martyr. He died faithfully saying these things. The firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us. See, he could have allowed them to die. He could have allowed you and I to go our own way. Do you he could have allowed you to not ever hear what I just preached. Why have you been able? Come on now. Come on now. Woot. He freed us from our sins in his own blood. And he made us a kingdom, priests to serve his God. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. The Lord spoke to me two times this past week to read two books of the Bible all the way through in one sitting out loud. The first one, was Hebrews, and by the time I got to the 11th chapter, I wanted to run down the street and be like 17-year-old T. McGee and just tell everybody about the love of Jesus. And then he told me to read the whole book of Revelation. <laughs> oh my God. And as I'm reading through the book of Revelation, I come to chapter 12 and it says, and I realize I have one more point to add to this message that I'd already written. His blood is my warfare. We're in a war. It says they triumphed over him, over him, we're gonna talk about this him. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. The only way to win the battle is over him, this him is to believe, hold deeply to treasure and stand upon the power in his blood, Jesus. Not only does the Bible reveal a scarlet thread of redemption from Genesis to Revelation, but the Bible reveals and exposes that there is a darkness in the world, that there is a brokenness, that there is an ought to be different than it is-ness, that there is an evil that you can see that it manifests in wars and poverty and violence in cities and countries and back alleys, murders and suicides and broken promises and hate and division and deception. 
from the beginning of time to the end of time. And behind it is a force. There is some sort of strategic, systematic existence that regardless of bettering the economy or educating a community, regardless, it can't be stopped. It's a malignant, growing, festering something. The Bible reveals that it, the something comes from a someone. And that's the him that we have to over that we have that we have to overcome. The dragon. That old serpent Genesis calls the devil and Satan. And in, book, in the book of Revelation, it says that he will, right now he is fighting in this, this entity called, called uh, in heavenly places. But in the book of Revelation, it says he will be kicked out of there and thrown down to the earth. And when he's thrown down to the earth, cast down, he will go into a deeper level of malevolent, narcissistic rage, knowing that he has only a short time. And he will vow to make war against those who hold to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And he will seek to make war with them. But here's the thing, he's already doing that now. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible tells us so. Paul says for us to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, to put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the wiles and schemes of the devil. That the only way to beat him is through the strength of the Lord and taking up the armor of God. That's it. The helmet, the knowledge in my mind that I'm delivered. The belt of truth tied around my waist. My feet fitted with the preparation for battle that comes from an awareness that I have peace on my feet, the gospel of peace. I am right with God going into the fight. God's with me, not him, going into the fight. I've got to put that on. And it's not getting up more than putting on and going out and forgetting it. it. You don't have to do the, I'm going to put the helmet on. I'm going to put the da-da-da. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, you got you to know. You got to have the breastplate of righteousness covering your heart because from your heart is the wellspring of life. We have to take up a shield of faith because he's shooting flaming missiles at us, arrows that get past the weaponry and burn with suggestions and thoughts and accusations in the mind that God really said, are you really, who, who do you think, you've forgotten that you are a sinner, how do you, who's, what right do you have to preach the gospel to people? All that is, that's him, that's the him. And we can extinguish every one of those flames when we hold the sword of the spirit, which we speak God's word out of our mouth, but you can't speak what you don't know. Boo devil doesn't work. You have to. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and we're in a war. And according to revelation, it's going to intensify. 
And Jesus said that in Luke 21, Luke and Matthew 24, and in Mark 13, he said it would intensify. The world's going to get darker, but the real church is going to become more alive. The real church. There are churches dying every day. But listen, we can get strong. We can get stronger. I don't know about you, but the, you guys have a little bit more time? We're in a war, by the way. Um, I'm so thankful that when you gather together in this place, I've got a, I've got, we've got a team of young people that are hungry to experience the presence of God, uh, lead us into the presence of God. It's more than just singing songs. It's asking God to meet with us. How do you know that you can walk through the week and just feel squirrely and crazy and you can come into the house of the Lord and God goes, right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I, t I tell you, I know this. There is a wave of the glory of God that is coming for churches that are hungry in the midst of all the crazy that is and will be. And crazy is on the way up the street, friend. You don't even have to be a prophet to know that. You know that, right? You know that what we went through just a few years ago was dress rehearsal for a deeper work of the enemy. And it doesn't matter who's going to be there. For all the people that think that the second coming of Donald Trump is going to set everything right, you're in for a real surprise. <laughs> I'd like to laugh about it, but it makes me lose sleep at night. Not about him and not about that side, any side. Listen, if the head, is, if the head of the eagle is sick, the right wing and left wing will join the eagle when it crashes right into the cliff. So listen, there is a kingdom that will never be shaken and it's not any country. It's the church of Jesus Christ. That not just churchy, but the, it's a, this is what bothers, here's how I know the beast is at work. Here's how I know the beast is at work. The beast is at work even in the churches because the doctrine of sin is not presented like it used to be. The fact of eternal judgment is not presented like it used to be. The fallen nature of mankind is debatable now. It's becoming estranged in the pulpits of America. And with that said, there is no fear of God before our eyes. Christ can be taken or left. And in some places, Jesus has become a serving savior, paving the nice way for me from here to the pearly gates. And that's only for people who have a conscience that feels the need for some kind of Jesus to be in their life. But what's becoming more prevalent and more popular for those in our world is that just like all dogs go to heaven, so does everybody else. Have you ever been, not that you should change or correct anybody and please never do this, but have you ever been to a funeral where 
where the person that died didn't go to a better place. Have you ever been to one where they didn't? I mean, that's not the time or place to say. Here's hoping. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, and I got some friends that would probably, but listen, that's not what the book says. And I have never in my life felt the pressure of a uh, spiritual pressure to come against me when, 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 when what you, what 20 years ago, even a pagan would say amen to the fact that you got to get saved before you die. Now preachers are saying you don't. Everybody's, everybody's saved. Jesus said in the book that we're told that we don't even have to read and along with the other books of the Old Testament that right before he comes it'll be just like it was in the days of Noah. And we can talk about all these little side issues of that but the main point he's making is people, this is hard to believe when he was building that boat, but people ate, drank, married and gave in marriage up to the day. And Jesus said, that's the way it'll be. It'll be like that. And they knew nothing until the flood came. That's what will be when I come. Everybody looks at all these signs and goes, oh, signs of the times. No, here's the sign of the times. Eating, drinking, sleeping, marrying, doing stuff, having no clue. And even though it's not dark yet, boy, it's getting there. While I know personally believers that have long forsaken the assembling of themselves together, as I see the day approaching, I see the wave of glory coming, but I also see the storm as well. And if great men have fallen, and we haven't even been in a war yet in the sense that we will. You and I have to have confidence in the blood and the points of the blood that I just shared because the great thing is, is the, the devil cannot cross the bloodline of the king. And I don't care if you're struggling with 50 sins. If you're leaning hard into Jesus in the cross, he's got you. He's got you. If you're wrestling in the dirt over, over your Jacob part of the promised Israel in your life, he's got you. He'll shepherd you through. But for the people that are rich and increased with goods and say they have need of nothing, in an hour like this, May the Lord draw us closer once again to the truth of the power in the blood. Here's how I want to close. There has been a war going on. A spiritual war. 
I remember at the beginning of summer, what seemed like five minutes ago, I said to us, hey, who wants to go on a deep dive in the waves of the Holy Spirit? Me too. And then out of somewhere comes this hymn. And I've known this my whole life long, but every time it comes around, I get surprised like I didn't know it. What, I'm expecting the devil just to roll over and play dead so I can just take the hill? I can make advancement? I can watch the Spirit of God move in my ministry, in my church, in my life, in my family? He's just going to go, okay. He's going to intensify. And I know that there are people in the congregation of God. Maybe you're here today, probably are. You're watching, you're listening somewhere up the road. And God, you believed the gospel and the Holy Spirit worked in your life and you felt cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But you weren't strong and you weren't equipped in the war and in the middle of a battle you fell and in your mind, in your, in your thought, you, you lost your spiritual virginity before Jesus. I have good news for you. When Israel began to worship other gods and God judged them and sent them into captivity for 70 years. He uses this metaphor to describe them like an unfaithful bride that at one time was chaste and pure. But then he promises to bring them back and in their way back, you know what he calls them? He calls them virgin Israel, meaning that he's the one that when you turn your heart back to him, he puts, you positionally in a, he puts you positionally in a place that the devil says to you, you've lost. And I'm here to tell you today that God told me to bring my keys and stand up here and say today that there are certain people in this room today that the Holy Spirit's gonna move upon and he's gonna take the keys and unlock the, 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 the cell and give you the opportunity to be free regarding these things. Would you stand, please? The first one is this. Shh. Stand in the presence of God. Shh. Stand in the presence of God. For those of you who feel like you've lost that, he's going to renew you in cleansing today. Many will be purified and made spotless and, and refined in the war but the wicked will continue to be wicked. And the wicked will not understand, but those who are wise will understand. Daniel chapter 12. There are others in this room who are maybe, not, maybe watching, maybe listening, and you're haunted. You're haunted by fear. and you're tormented by it. Your mind is like a battlefield filled with torturous thoughts when you know that the Lord has promised you peace like a river. I don't know why this is, but today the Lord said, take your key, I'm going to, I'm going to move across this congregation and I'm going to relieve that fear off people today as they put their focus and their faith in the blood of my son. I felt the Holy Spirit just go across this room just that day when I just said that.
And there are others today that God in his kindness, without upbraiding us, nudged your heart and whispered kindly but soberly to you, son, daughter, you're not in the war with the intensity that you need to be. Fortify your faith. You don't have to get a running start with that. The quickening grace of God is bringing that up right now. And if you put your faith in that word and say, yes, Lord, he's going to move across this congregation and give you a fresh anointing to get into war position in faith. There are some of us that have to draw a line in the sand with the enemy because we have given him a little bit too much ground. And when we give him a little bit, he takes the whole lot. You got to seal that up. I know mamas in this room, your mama bears, and you will fight to the death for your kid, as you should. And there are some of you mama bears, you're really snuggly with your babies, and that's just awesome. But God is saying to you today, I want to make you a woman of war with a fervent faith, holding the blood of Jesus against the enemy over your household, over your son, over your daughter. There are kids that are falling away and the devil wants to say, yours is next. Yours is, hey, hey. He doesn't have power over you and your home and your kids. He has no, your prayers compared to his words, you've got a nuclear arsenal against him. Come on, mama. There's an old song that says, I see a crimson stream of blood. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. I don't know if you, just go ahead and just put your sail out. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves, which reach the throne of God, are sweeping over me. Spirit of God, right now, I thank you that you are releasing such liberty, such faith, such healing throughout this congregation. It's amazing what you're doing right now. Today, no condemnation abides to turn away my soul from his salvation, for he's in my heart to stay. When Israel had defiled their calling, had given their hearts to other lovers, God, who is merciful, describes what he does in this. Listen to this. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you on the day that this happened and you were dumped in a field left to die. And this is it. This is right now. But I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there, I looked at you and I said, Live. That's Ezekiel 16. Live. Those of you who are tormented over things that God has for decades truly forgiven you of. Live! Those of you, every time you enter the holy place of God where the celestial Zion is and people are righteous and people are celebrating and someone tells you you're not worthy to be, 
Shut that down and go in with it. Live. Go in to the presence of your Father where the welcome mat will never wear out. For every mother and every father longing for your sons and daughters to rise up as kingdom soldiers, live. There's power in the blood. Lord, I pray for all over this room right now. Fortify your people. Birth new dimensions of faith in the hearts of men and women and young people here. May everybody know that regardless of how stained a garment can be, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin right now. We're going to open these altars as this team leads in song, but I just want to, I just want to pray one more minute. I want you to receive right now where you are, the ministry, the freeing ministry of the Holy Spirit. God wants to pour. Remember that rain, that downpour of rain? Right now, Lord, rain down. Rain, Lord, rain, rain. Put your, put your heart out, friend. Put your heart out. Maybe put your hands up. Maybe reach out by faith. Just say, Lord, I'm just going to stand and, and I'm going to let you lavish forgiveness. I'm going to let you lavish mercy. I'm going to let you lavish renewal down. I'm going to let you lavish faith and boldness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand again. I'm going to cast fear completely out of my life right now by faith. I'm going to cast all fear out of my life, out of my family right now in the next. Someone needs to do that. I'm going to cast fear out. You can't visit. You can't. Lord, we believe it. Lord, we receive it. Lord, I give you all the praise. I give you all the glory. There's nothing to boast about but you and your finished work. Lord Jesus, I worship you for what you've done for me. I thank you that when you saw me laying in my own death, you spoke life into me. I thank you that you're speaking life into our church into that man driving down the road listening to the podcast somewhere in the future. I pray for that woman that can't even say to her own family the torment that she fights and everybody would think she's a trophy of triumph but in her heart the devil screams. Today the devil is exposed and you are free. You are free, sister. I see, I don't know you but I see you. I see you. You're sitting in a room, you're in the bedroom right now by yourself. You walked in, you shut the door. I don't, this is crazy. You shut the door, I see you. You're free. Sister, you don't have to carry that wound anymore. May the power that raised Christ from the dead empower your faith to walk out of that. Walk, go back out of your bedroom. Walk right out back into your family as the princess of the kingdom that you are in the blood of, in the name of Jesus, I speak that over your life. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. But if you hear this, please contact me. I can see you. If I could, if I could draw a picture, I could draw you. I don't know who you are. I pray that you will know God used this moment to tell you that's to tell you. I don't know where you are. Please 
This is God talking to you. And, 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 the, and the, maybe the hundreds you represent. Maybe someone like that in this room. In the name of Jesus, you are completely liberated from that. Whatever it is, you're liberated. You've been liberated. Shake it off. Throw it down. And run into the arms of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, these altars are open. If you need healing, get healed. If you need deliverance, get delivered. If whatever you need, let the reign of the presence of God come down on you. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.